This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. The 18th day of August 2023, and temperatures are going to get hotter and hotter here in Western North Carolina, but uh, it's been that way across the country, of course, all summer, and uh, we're supposed to get up close to uh, the mid-90s. By the end of the weekend, yippee, can hardly wait, uh, especially with my air conditioner still out here uh, in our studios. And uh, the good news is we do the show early enough in the morning. It's still cool in here, but uh, it is going to be a sweltering one today. Um, coming up in a couple of minutes, Dan Zampano, our NFL guy, is going to uh, join us for uh, the first time here in 2023 for the uh, the new football season uh, we've got lots of preseason stuff to talk about, so Dan will be coming up here in a couple of minutes. Uh, of course, want to start uh, baseball last night. Very quiet night uh, in the baseball world. There were only six games last night, actually six games scheduled. Only five of them got played. The Tigers in Cleveland uh, got rained out. Uh, but the Red Sox had a matinee yesterday against the Washington Nationals. And as I said, look, this it was a series that I felt the Red Sox had to win. With the schedule coming up, the Nats were like uh, the last break that the Dodge or that the Red Sox were going to have on the schedule until the first week of September when they get to play the Kansas City Royals again. The Red Sox schedule the rest of the way is brutal, with the exception of the games against Kansas City, three games in the first part of September, and then they've got three games with the Chicago White Sox starting uh, in mid-September. Other than that, every game that they have is against a team that is either going, that is either a playoff team or close to a playoff team, or it's the New York Yankees. They still have uh, seven games with the Yankees. Of course, three of them will come up this weekend. And look, the Yankees are in last place. They're under 500. The Red Sox have got to win this series. I keep saying that, but, you know, it, I sound like a broken record. And look, the Red Sox are still over 500. The Yankees are not. And the Red Sox find themselves in precarious situation as far as the playoffs go. I said yesterday I'm not even sure they should make the playoffs. It might just be better if if they don't because then they just raise your hopes and crush them. But the Sox are three and a half behind the Toronto Blue Jays for the last playoff spot. But they're three games behind Seattle, who they've got to jump first. And Seattle won last night. Uh, they had a, a great finish, four runs in the last two innings to beat the Kansas City Royals 6-4, to four, while the Red Sox got absolutely pummeled by the Washington Nationals. And, look, you could say whatever you want about the final score. Nationals won the game 10-7. You're going to say, well, that's not getting pummeled. They were, the Red Sox were down 9-1. to one. 
And okay, they they made a run in the seventh inning and they scored six runs and you know they hit a couple of home runs. Rafi Devers hit the longest home run the Red Sox have hit all year. Uh, Ur, uh, uh, Arias hit a grand slam, but other than that, the Red Sox were terrible. The pitching was awful. Chris Sale got the start yesterday, and look, he he retired like the first I don't know. 14 guys he faced, something like that, with the exception of a walk. He only gives up two hits and four and a third, but he walks three guys. And in his last inning in the fifth, he walked the eight and nine guys in the order. And, you know, and my instinct was to get upset because Alex Cora took him out. You know, they said he was going to have a pitch limit of about 75. So my, my instinct was, you know, to get angry because they took him out at 65 pitches instead of letting him work through the trouble. But you just walked the eight, nine guys, and he just didn't look right. He was having trouble throwing strikes, so they get him out. Josh Winkowski, who has been pretty reliable all year, comes in and just was terrible. He allows both those guys to score. He ends up giving up four hits and three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Then they bring in Murphy. He was awful. Uh, Jovera and, you know, the Red Sox get it back to within 9-7. They bring in Jovera to pitch a couple of innings. He ends up giving up a run in the eighth, so now it's a – a 10-7 game going into the ninth. The Red Sox get the first two guys on in the ninth inning. You know, Verdugo pinch hits, and he gets a base hit. J- Jaron Duran comes in to pinch hit, gets a double down the line. They've got second and third and nobody out, but it's a three-run game. And look, give, give you know, Give the Nationals credit. They brought Finnegan, their closer, out of the bullpen, and the Red Sox hit some hard balls off of them. I mean, uh, McGuire hit one on the button, but it's an out. Rafi Devers strikes out, and then Trevor Story hits a seed, but right at the shortstop to end the game. So there was some hard contact, but the Red Sox – fall short because they're pitching fall short as we've seen all year so you know again and and Alex Court at the end of the game wants to say well you know the offense got going a little bit and you know I, look you can't the Red Sox have relied on this bullpen so much this year and it's with all the injuries and everything and and the bullpen has been pretty good but you can't keep going to that well. We need – the Red Sox need a starter to step up and start pitching some innings. You know, I'm tired of every – it seems like every damn game the Red Sox are pulling their starter in the fifth and sixth inning. We can't get anybody to work through the sixth inning. It's frustrating. And it catches up to you, and it caught up to the Red Sox yesterday. They dug themselves a hole that they could not get out of. Uh, so – Again, three and a half back, it's not over, but this schedule is absolutely brutal because after the three games with the Yankees this weekend, they go to Houston for four. Yikes. Then they come home to play the Dodgers for three and Houston for three. So the rest of your August is the Yankees, Houston, and the Dodgers. Ten games with Houston and the Dodgers. The Red Sox could be, you know, look, they got to go – you know, you say, well, okay, if we go 5-5 five and five in those games, the Red Sox are going to be happy. Well, maybe, but that's not going to gain them any ground in the wild card slot, and that's the problem. And then after those three games with Kansas City, you know, it's Tampa, Baltimore, Yankees, Toronto, Texas. I mean, all teams that are in the playoffs. 
and are going to stay in the playoff hunt. They still have to play Baltimore seven more times. They still have to play Tampa five times after Houston and the Dodgers. I mean, I just I don't see it happen. I just don't see how it's possible that they make the playoffs. And, you know, the injuries caught up, but the mismanagement in the offseason by Heimblum and the way they built this team is the problem. And, sure, they're getting some great uh, production out of guys that they didn't expect, like Pablo, Pablo Reyes. Christian Costas is turning out to be exactly what they hoped he was going to be. Another home run yesterday. Jaron Duran uh, hitting 299, and, and, you know, he's got his own struggles right now with his mental health. It's, you know, he's, he, he's feeling like he doesn't belong because he got in a bit of a slump and he's gotten down on himself. And this is a guy that it has struggled with his uh, confidence and his mental health in the past. It was, I mean, I think it was huge yesterday for him to get the game and get that double down the line. Huge. So there are some, there are some pieces here, but the Red Sox failure to build a rotation properly and to have depth and to have the ability when a guy like uh, Trevor Story goes down to have somebody to step in. I mean, you know, the Red Sox are the worst defensive team in Major League Baseball. You add that up to all the other problems that they've had, and there's no other place you can put the state of the Red Sox in right now than on that front office. It's the same thing for the Yankees, by the way. You know, I mean, the way that the money that they've spent in the past, the amount of money they spent getting guys and and, and long-term contracts for guys that are like albatrosses around their neck now rests right at the feet of the general manager of the New York Yankees. And if you're a Yankee fan, you know, you probably not only want, you know, the GM's head, you want Aaron Boone's head as well. But it's not Aaron Boone's fault that, you know, you play with the hand that you're dealt with by the front office. And that's why those two teams right now are at the bottom of the American League East. And the other teams have not only leapfrogged them, but sprinted past them. It's 16 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano, his first uh, appearance for the 2023 football season. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call, and he's back, folks. It's uh, it's about time. Dan Zampano, our NFL guru here, uh, newly a newly minted husband, uh, back from his honeymoon, and we got him on the air. <laughs> Dan, thanks for uh, a few minutes. Have uh, now, I mean, I know that you know with the new nuptials and everything. Have you? Is she letting you still watch football? Just checking. Oh, Gene, she's a football nut, which is why partially why I married her. I mean, I think you saw that happen at the uh, at the uh, rehearsal dinner that yeah. we had there. Yeah. It was all football themed, and it was great. So, you know, I think there's just more football. It's just now there's an added voice to either comfort or scorn when I start, you know, spitting nails or, you know, maybe he's getting a little too overexcited. Blah blah blah. Uh, unfortunately, the whole family on that side is is all Eagle fans, and I and my my uh, my father in law has been inundating me with with uh, memes about Zeke Elliott signing and all those things for week one, uh, specifically last year, and telling me that Zeke was going to fit right in in New England. So oh, wow. we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, he's he's brutal. He's brutal. But you know, you expect nothing less from Philly fans. So it is. Uh, <laughs> but I still prefer ours up in Boston. 
Well, let's let's start with the Zeke Elliott signing. Now, you know, it's funny. It, it depending on how you talk. You know, you talk to when I was. You know, when I'm watching the Cowboys last year, my opinion was Zeke Elliott is done. He's 28 years old and he's done. You know, but then you look at the numbers and you go, now wait a minute. You know, he had 12 rushing touchdowns last year. Which is the, the exact number that the entire Patriot roster had last year. So, so there is that. And the question I have for you is this: Has his skill set diminished that much, or was last year a down year? Diminished, but that doesn't necessarily build negativity towards the signing for me. I think it's 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 certainly a strategic signing. I think. Many people are going to look at this and compare it to the Dalvin Cook signing with the Jets. And maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. To me, I think Dalvin Cook actually has the starting capability to him. Or Zeke Elliott, at this point in his career, has lost a step, but it's not that he's lost all his steps. He's still a viable, <laughs> I would say, running back, too. You know, So okay. he's still got a few moves here in the bank. I would say he's going to be used at third and short. I think he's going to be used in the red zone. Remember, the guy had 12 rushing touchdowns right, last year. Right. So, um, you know, it wasn't like he wasn't bad in the red zone. I think people people compare the idea of Damian Harris and Zeke Elliott. Well, if, if they were just going to sign Zeke Elliott now, then why would they have just kept Damian Harris? Well, Zeke Elliott plays about, on an average, 15 to 16 games a year. Damian Harris had the last years. We know he had missed multiple games, six, seven, eight games right. over the last three years. He had just did not the durability factor there. And as old as Zeke is, he has been durable. He's an excellent, excellent pass protector. So I think that's going to be an added bonus for Mac Jones. I think I see this as a good sign. Uh, it's very team friendly, as we saw from the way that the contract was negotiated. It's essentially a three million dollar deal with incentives on the next $3 million. Right. So he could get up to $6 million. It is a very, very friendly deal, and it barely touches the cap. So do the Patriots maybe look for other places of need before this season gets started? I think it gave them an opportunity to bring in a quality uh, secondary player to what Ramondre Stevenson would be, mm-hmm. in addition to allowing them to add pieces if there are injuries, which there already has been. Right. I think it was a shrewd move. Okay. Well, and the other thing is uh, he's a Belichick kind of player because he doesn't fumble. He doesn't turn over the ball. No, he doesn't. You know, I mean, so that if, if, if you're looking for, for a positive, that's a good – and look, he's got to be kind of used to the workload he's going to get this year because of the situation with Pollard down in Dallas. So it's not like he's coming up here expecting to get the ball, um, you, know, you know, 30 times a game, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just hard for people to wrap their heads around. You know, you always see these running backs at the end of their careers go to these random places and just do poorly or, or don't don't do what they are. Like, if you remember back in the day, Thurman Thomas yep. was in Miami at yep. the end of his career. And right. Adrian Peterson in, in a place like Seattle or Tennessee. O.J. Oh, Simpson. You know, it just looks weird. O.J. Simpson to San Francisco. I mean, there are so many strange, you know – views of these things and people just say, oh they don't pan out they don't pan out they're just going to live their twilight well they don't really have to be all pro pro bowl players i mean right zeke's last year numbers if zeke gets to 800 yards and eight touchdowns are you going to sneeze it out when Ramondre stevenson is going to be able to pass catch out of the backfield oh, no, like I, i'm not no so, not at all yeah 
Um, well, well uh, let me ask you this. So that solves some of the problem. They've now got a, a good number two back. They've got a guy that can pass protect a little bit back there. They've got a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. My question to you is this, and this is my concern. How, what about that Patriot offensive line? Well, I think that's the main concern for everybody, and part of the reason as to why they drafted so many rookies. I mean, you got guys that, you know, from from Timbuktu and Kalamazoo. That's really what you got them from. I mean, there's not, a lot of these guys are completely unhurt. Um, but I will say this: I think if the Patriots have their starting four healthy, and those four being Trent Brown, Mike Unwainu, David Andrews, and Cole Strange, right. I think that's enough because they're going to be really be swinging tackle anyway. They brought in Riley Reef. They brought in Calvin Anderson. Um, they have rookies that are are competing for that job. There's going to be a huge competition at right tackle, and that part concerns me. However, I think if they have those four guys healthy and playing good, especially Trent Brown, he can change the whole dynamic right. of the line. I think if those four guys are good, the Patriots have the best all line in that division. Really. Oh, I hundred percent believe that. Okay, well then, then, then let's let's stay in the division. And Dan, and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, okay? Uh, but when you sure. look when you when you look at that that division, it is hard to see the Patriots being anything but the last place team in the AFC East. In my opinion, mm. in, in my opinion. I have a hard time seeing that, you know. I mean, unless unless the Jets do the NFL equivalent of what the New York Mets did this year in baseball, because the Jets have gone out and made some very shrewd signings, or unless Aaron Rodgers is completely done, I, the Jets, to me, are maybe now, you know, a much better team than the Patriots. What do you think about that? I I, I think you're onto something. I think I think there's potential for any of these teams to really win the division. I, I really believe that. And the reason I believe that, especially with the Jets, because the Jets not only bring in Aaron Rodgers, but they already had kind of a nucleus, right? right. They already had the defense that was fierce. They already had a, a top tier. I think he's going to be a top tier wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they added depth to their defensive line. Um, they brought in Dalvin Cook. So they've brought in a lot of playmakers. There's no question about that. The only thing I would concern myself about with the Jets is, is their offensive line is horrible. I mean, just horrible. And you've heard it already in camp last week with the Panthers. The Panthers absolutely destroyed them up front in, in those joint practices. Right. Um, Tampa Bay is doing the same thing this week. Uh, and if you watch any of the hard knocks, that's a clear concern for Bobby Salat. Now, let me tell you something. That whole Hard Knocks episode, both of them, are all about Aaron Rodgers and all about <laughs> the Mr. Suave coming in, California, cool, coming to New York. He's the top host of the town, only for champagne. We're going to the Super Bowl, yada, yada, yada. Well, there's a part in there where the offensive line is really, really concerning. In fact, Bobby Salat talks about it and says, all we've proven is that we're a 7-10 and 10 football team with a really good defense and a crappy offensive line. That's always proven. Can they, can, can Mr. Clean and the rest of the group and gang rise above? I think they absolutely could, especially 
the top. My concern with them, though, an offensive line can do a hell of a lot of damage right. to your team going forward. So that's a huge concern to them. Um, look, we know that the Dolphins have, you know, one of the best one-two receivers in all of football. But, you know, can they repeat what they did last year? And 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 is, you know, and it, I can't, you know, here we go again with Tua, but is, I mean, if, if, if they keep him, let's say he stays healthy, is he the guy that can lead this team? Or does he just have to get out of the way? I think he can. I, I think he can, and and you know I'm not. You know how big I am on on uh, on my hatred yes. for Tua. Yes, um, I I, th- I think I've I've spoken to that. And again, it's not for the person; it's more for the player and who he's per- percepted to be. Right. But I think I think with Mike McDaniel really being at the cutting edge of what is the new NFL offense. I think that that scheme works so well because of the speed they have on the field. They drafted a kid out of Texas A&M. His name is Devon A-Chain. They added him at running back. Mm -hmm. Their running back stable was already extremely fast with Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and now this rookie. Um, You add in Jalen Waddell. You add in Tyree Kill. You've got a lot of speed. They are not very deep at receiver or tight end. They do not have a lot of athletes outside of the running backs and the two top receivers. So if okay. anything should happen to Hiller Waddle, in trouble. there's a huge yeah. drop off in talent. Okay. But but I think the Dolphins made one of the smartest moves of the offseason. The guy that figured out Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan's offense was Vic Fangio in two thousand and eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, partially what how Bill Belichick kind of stole his game plan to beat the Rams in the Super Bowl that year. Vic Fangio is now the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. Okay. And I think that was a great move by McDaniel because McDaniel has been with Shanahan for a long time. He has obviously been a part of those, that coaching staff uh, in Washington, that same coaching staff back in 2012, um, and, and has really been, again, at the cutting edge of the new wave of offensive football. I think by bringing in Fangio and really kind of kind – of, uh, melding those two minds together, a real genius uh, on the defensive end and an innovator on the offensive end, that's where Miami becomes dangerous, let alone the fact that they also brought in Jalen Ramsey. Right. Uh, and I know Jalen Ramsey did get hurt earlier in the year. We'll see what his timetable for return is. doesn't sound like he's going to start the year. Um, but they have a lot of really, really good players on defense now. And, I, and to me, in my personal opinion, they're the scariest team and they have the highest ceiling of any of the teams in this division. Well, you know, but the other the other piece of that too is, you know, you have a head coach that that often does strange things as well. I mean, and 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 he has True. To, he, you know, although you would hope that he has learned a little from some of his mistakes, but I, I guess we shall see. But uh, we, we have seen we have seen head coaches derail teams before, so let's hope that's not the case. Now, my my another, next question: Do you expect you kind of expected? a step back from the Buffalo Bills last year. What's your feeling on them going into this year? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't really think they took a step back last year. I think they pretty much went horizontal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there wasn't – they pretty much were – and I think it looks worse for them for last year because of how hyped up of a team they were. Name me 
the analyst that didn't pick the Buffalo Bills right. to go to the Super yeah. Bowl last year. Not many. Yeah. I can't find one. Everybody yeah. picked them. Yeah. So, uh, so there's a huge bunch of disappointment. On top of the fact that you already have a guy like Stephon Diggs who has 1,400 yards every single year complaining about his role in the <laughs> offense. I mean, are you kidding me? Right. I, I, I mean, you know, we, we've got the guy, we've got the guy with a Virginia on, uh, ham under his arm complaining about why he doesn't have any bread. I mean, that's pretty much why he's, he's, uh, he's mounted himself. You know, so that's, that's my frustration with, with, uh, with Diggs. And Diggs is going to be somewhat of a diva, but, He's obviously really talented there. Yep. I think Gabe Davis has to step up again from last year. That is a that is a a big time uh, need that they're going to need because he was a little bit disappointing. I think they need to get uh, another running back involved in here. I know they signed Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, right? But I think I think James Cook really has to could be a big factor to take some of the load off of Josh Allen, not just from Josh Allen running the football but also to be a pass-catching back. They just haven't had that real part of their offense be something that can, can get the offense to go. Right. So uh, I think that that would be a big-time uh, thing that they could do. And defensively, I don't really know what they're doing. I mean, they, they paid Ed Oliver, a guy who had two-and-a-half sacks last year, right. uh, gave him an extension. They didn't really replace Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, Micah Hyde and Jordan Player are older players. Right. Um, and and they also lost the defensive coordinator. So Sean McDermott is now taking over the defensive coordinator duties. I hope he's not like Bill Bowbatons. I hope he's not like butter scraped over too much bread. You know, like I really hope he isn't. So I I really I get nervous about about head coaches doing stuff like that. Right. And McDermott has already had issues late in games and situational football, especially with his challenges and other sorts of things. They got beat up by Cincinnati last year. Cincinnati's offensive line destroyed them in their own building. Mm-hmm. That's something that they're going to need to enforce. The defensive line has to be the key to success. And with losing it, but still having Milano at, at linebacker, uh, he's going to have to play even better than he did last year, and he was an all-pro. Right. So we'll see how they do. Um, so uh, the early odds, I guess, it looks like a lot of people think that Joe Burrow may be the guy – to beat for MVP this year. And it's mm. that's going to be an interesting division, I think, this year uh, with the fact that it looks like, you know, the Ravens are hopefully going to have a healthy quarterback. And, you know, they have a, a, the, the intriguing signing of Odell Beckham Jr. We'll find out what he's still got left in the tank. But that's I think that's going to be a hell of a division this year. Gene, I think I think really this division is is going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be black and blue. The AFC North, no mm-hmm. question about it. I think the conference overall. My theme for this year for the AFC is there's no more free lunch. These quarterbacks have all been paid. Yep. In this in this conference, you've got we go Josh Allen. You have no more excuses, brother. Lamar Jackson. No more excuses. Right. Okay. Joe Burrow's got his team to a Super Bowl. I think Joe Burrow probably has some room. Deshaun Wilson, of all people, absolutely no more excuses no. In, in this. Justin Herbert, no more excuses for him. He's got none left. He needs to get it done. He needs to win a playoff game. There are so many guys in this. Tua and Mac Jones. Right. You could make the argument for that. You know, Tua and Mac Jones. And there's no more excuses. You either are the guy or you aren't. You know, I mean, like this whole conference 
is so loaded with young, talented quarterbacks. Who is not going to eat? Who's going to eat free lunch again? And and who's going to actually you know put in the work? That's what I really want to know. As far as that division goes, I think Joe Burrow would be a great candidate for MVP. I just hope his calf is healthy and he's ready to go week one. Right. And that the Bengals don't really stumble out of the gate like they've done the last two years. Mm-hmm. Two years, they have really not played well at the beginning of the season, and then they go on these crazy tangent runs right at the end and in playoff time. So. You know, they kind of do what the Patriots used to do, right? They they may not agree good in September, but by December, you're cooking with gas, you know? Right. So I think Cincinnati's got a great chance. I think Cleveland's really improved their, their roster a lot. Um, and their defensive, uh, their defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, coming over there. Pittsburgh looks really good in preseason. Baltimore, we'll see. I mean, th- this that division, AFC North and AFC East, man, th- those are two really, really rough and tumble divisions. Uh, stopping off uh, at the uh, at the AFC South, I mean, where is Jacksonville the team to beat, or is it still Tennessee? I think it's going to be really hard for Jacksonville to lose this division. That, that's kind of what uh, I, I was I think thinking. Their offense is, yeah, their offense is just you know, it's not anything you know super special. But when you look at the defenses that they're playing, the Colts and the Texans specifically. The Titans will be, you know, tough, but they've lost some players too defensively. Right. I think the Colts and the Texans are going to provide Trevor Lawrence with a couple of maybe three to four hundred yard passing games, uh, and he's going to he's going to eat. Um, so I love Trevor Lawrence in this division. I think the only really thing stopping them is like a ton of injuries. Um, I, I don't think I don't think Tennessee at this point with the amount of talent that they have on offense, it's going to be really hard. They're really going to have to win games with their defense. And again, Derrick Henry. And, you know, everybody has always said, you know, Derrick Henry's unstoppable. He's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. He's never going to, he's never going to have a down year. Well, he's in year nine now, and he has not only coming off of another 300-yard, a 300-tech year in, in rushing attempts, but he is coming off of the most rushing attempts and catches in his career. The most catches any time in his career he had last year. Now, the last time Derrick Henry had 300, or the first time, excuse me, Derrick Henry had 300 rushing attempts in a season, he came back and was just as good. But the following year, after that, he had a big fall. He missed six games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at this age, is he still capable of doing that? I do wonder that, especially with them losing a ton of pieces on the offensive line. I think that's going to be difficult. Colts and Texans are just playing for next year's draft, essentially, at the end of the day. So we're not really worried about them. They're looking to develop quarterbacks. But I think it's going to be a hard division for Jacksonville to lose just because their defense is capable and their offense is really, really good. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what. It's been interesting uh, watching the uh, the preseason or the pre-preseason press conferences in Denver. Uh that that has yeah. that has been entertaining, but my question is: Can Russell Wilson be fixed? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a that's a toughie. You know, I know you pay me to, to answer these questions, but <laughs> sometimes the answers to the test aren't always in the book. Yeah. You know, I mean it's it's uh, it's it's tough uh, it's tough here. So. 
I would say, look, they've added some pieces defensively. I think they they add, they brought over some guys offensive line. This really doesn't really matter who they add and who they don't add. What matters is that Russell Wilson is a good teammate and he buys into what Sean Payton is going to be able to do because Sean's not going to have any patience. Oh no, Sean's are the Bill Parcells Inc. Yeah, uh, Ilk, excuse me, like. That's his, you know, that's his mentor. He's not going to have any patience for Russell Wilson having his own office in in the stadium. <laughs> like that's not going to happen. Right. Um. And 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 as kind of a sneaky sign that they made to show Russell Wilson that they brought over Jared Stidham, right. and Jared Stidham, uh, you know, last year at the end of the year really played well for the Raiders. I would not be surprised if Russell Wilson really continues his slide. Don't be surprised if Sean Payton, you know, goes to him. I think I think that's a clear message to say, look, there's a quarterback behind you that I'm willing to develop. If you're not going if you're not going to do what I ask you to do, you're not playing. Right. I don't care what it takes. I'm new here I'm newer here now than you are. Okay. I've got more time. They traded draft picks for me. <laughs> too. So, you yeah. know, um I and I think Sean will get his way. So I don't know. I, I I haven't heard great things out of Denver's uh, camp yeah. so far this preseason. So I'm wondering, I mean, I- I'm still of the mind, and, and that division is going to be just, you know, it's Patrick Mahomes until it's not Patrick Mahomes, right? right? It's, right. it's the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs until, until it's not, you know. But I think the Chargers could be good, too. You know, we'll see. Um, your boy Jimmy G in Las Vegas. How long is he going to stay yeah. upright? How long is he going to stay upright this year? Ah, you know, I thought they looked a lot better. I, yeah. I, what I've seen from them in preseason, I think Jimmy is going to provide something that maybe Derek Carr didn't. Okay. I think it's just stability. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's, I'm not saying like, you know, Jimmy's got more talent than Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr's got more talent, but I think Jimmy just has this like kind of, he's so handsome and confident that he's just <laughs> the way he is, you know, and I think I hate people him. look at him and I, I swear it's psychological. I, 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 I love him. I mean, I just can't, I can't get enough of it. Oh, he's just too good looking. But, I hate um, him. He, he's too good looking. Yeah, I know. That's part of the reason, but, but I think, I think he'll just provide just stability at the position. Okay. Confidence that he's going to get it to his targets. Um, a winning mentality. I mean, look, Jimmy Hoffman, wherever he's gone, he's won. Yeah. I mean, he just has, and I think, and, and I think the McDaniel's offense will run perfectly with him, you know, because I mean, you know, the history between those two. Right, right. I think it'll work fine. I think Devontae Adams will be much happier in in that type of an offense, uh, and I think they'll try to utilize more backs than just Josh Jacobs. I think I, I liked what I saw from the Raiders in their first preseason game. Their offensive line was a lot better. Their defense played a lot faster. Uh, I think they could definitely be improved. Um, Jimmy G's former team, uh, they're still trying – well, they have I shouldn't say they're trying to figure out what to do at quarterback because they've come right out and said it's Brock Purdy's team. Which, you know, when you think about this, this has got to be one of the greatest stories in the NFL in a long time. A guy who was <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant, you know, ends up being pressed into service, and now he goes from that to being named the starting quarterback this year. But the most amazing thing to me is – is that Trey Lance could up end up number three on that depth chart. And wasn't he like a number three overall pick a couple of years ago? Yes. I mean, this just reiterates the fact, and I think the the uh I think this has really been proven out that, that Kyle Shanahan never wanted Trey Lance. Yeah. 
uh, Kyle Shanahan was in on Mac Jones the entire time, and the the brass upstairs convinced him to take Trey Lance. Uh, it's also probably the luckiest situation of all time because <laughs> yeah. you take a guy number three overall. Yep. He completely hasn't shown any any ability mentally or physically to right. play the position at the NFL level. And you get a guy with the last pick in the draft just kind of fallen to your lap and has been successful. Now, I would say this. I want to see Brock Purdy do it over a sustained period of time yep. after having Tommy John surgery. Right. That's 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 a tough thing to come back through. He's, again, not going to have a full offseason um, to work with his offense. He's been the number one starter. I, I agree with you. I think Sam Darnold is the number two. Yep. I think they brought him in for insurance purposes, of course. But I, I, as great as that roster is, I'm still super skeptical on whether Brock Purdy can lead them for a full season because if you look at last year's games, when they played really good defenses, especially in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know he had that one great game against Seattle, but Dallas really shut them down. Right. Philly knocked them out of the game. I mean, there were some games where he didn't play well against better defenses. So I, I, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> Kyle's about Kyle's about getting to the Super Bowl now for him. He's he's come too close. I'm not sure this kid is going to be able to do that. Okay. All right. Well, but th- well then that begs the question if he's not that the that means they don't have that guy on the roster. I'm not sure they do. Uh, I'm not sure they do and until he can prove that and have to overcome a lot to be able to prove that he can be that. Otherwise it might be another bite at the apple in the draft for for San Francisco and you know, if they're willing, if they're if they're a 500 football team, do they dare maybe try to get another couple of picks? Maybe trade an older player like a George Kittle or something? I don't uh, know. Mm. We'll see. Oof. Oh, that'd be a big that'd be a big one. Well, uh, so we go to the NFC South where we've got uh, we've got some quarterback issues in the NFC South. Sure. Uh, matter of fact, there isn't a team in that division. Really? I mean, honestly, does is there a team in that division that doesn't really have a quarterback issue? <laughs> I mean, think about it. I think there's, I think there's all the teams in that division think they have quarterbacks. Well, I mean, I, think, I mean, I mean, I think look, they're all kind of band-aiding except for Carolina. Except for Carolina, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, and Tampa still has a decision to make whether it's going to be you know Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, and that's like Tweedledum or Tweedledumber. I'm not really sure. That, <laughs> you know, and and the shame of that is when you you know now look, I mean, uh, t- you know, Tampa. Look, they've still got some talent on that team. It's not like that team, you know, is bereft of talent, but who's going to get them the ball? And then they, this week they lost Russell Gage as well. I mean, they're not going into this yeah. season um, uh, with a lot of confidence, I got to think. And, and if it were you, who are you picking to start? Oh, don't give me that decision. <laughs> I, I might, I might try to, I might try to go, you know, look for a guy. Carson Wentz is on the street. Yeah. Why don't we go sign him? See if you get, see if you get the Patriots you know? to trade you Bailey Zappi. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I got to start a petition for. I, I got to start a petition. I, seriously, I mean, the way Malik Cunningham's looking, you never know. Yeah, but I I got to start a petition for Carson Wentz to get on the team, and this is the first place <laughs> I'm going to send him to. I mean, this is this is it. You know, I mean. 
Baker Mayfield, uh, I mean, if you're going to have mediocrity, let's at least have a quarterback that, that can see over the offensive line. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, let's, that's, that's all we want to see. So I, I, I would say probably, I mean, Trask, we just don't know. Right. You know, at least with Baker, you kind of, you kind of have a tape on him. Trask, from all I've heard, still is a little jumpy. Yep. I think they're both turnover prone. Yep. I'd like to see what at least Trask can do, but I don't want to put him out there and then automatically be, have Baker just doing others. So I think ultimately they end up going with Baker, okay. and if Baker stinks, then then let's Trask in the game. Get, right. I mean, let's see what he can do. Yeah, you know, that, I think that's the, the the right approach for them. Yeah, and now I I watched a little of the because uh, I just wanted to see Bryce Young, and you didn't get to see an awful lot of him. He only played what two or three series, but you know he mm. didn't he didn't do a lot. But he also didn't look scared, if that makes sense. You know, no. I mean, and, and I guess if you're Carolina, you have to be somewhat encouraged by that. It didn't look like the game was too fast for him or anything like that. You know, we'll have to see when he gets more reps. But he didn't look like he was overmatched. He didn't look jittery. Right. That's, that's like, kind of where I, I was going, he, yeah. He, he, he was running for his life because the Jets <laughs> were just all over him. Right. But, I mean, he, he didn't look like he was he – was, uh, flustered at any time like he kept coming back at it so right. i was at least encouraged by that i didn't really see anything throw wise that was like okay that was great blah 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 like you know i didn't i didn't see much i always said bryce young should be the number one pick i i didn't see i i didn't see much to prove that in the first preseason game when he was running around for his life yep. but i agree with you i i think i think this is going to be an interesting year for him because you know frank is really going to have to be delicate with him this is an unknown I mean, this is a real unknown. This is not like Kyler Murray where he's got elite-level, you know, uh, escapability. Mm -hmm. He's really a pocket passer first. Right. He's got athleticism, but he's a pocket passer first, and we have not seen a guy this small do it. Now, does he have the talent? Absolutely. But he's going to have to really rise above. Even Drew Brees was not really this small. Drew Brees was about 5'11", I think. Yeah, 5'11", yeah. 5'11", 6 foot. This kid's 5'10". You know, five nine. And yeah. it's he's a small dude. I think he's great talent wise. I think that I think it might take him some time though. I'm not sure this year is the year to go all in on Carolina. He's a he's a more athletic uh Doug Flutie. You know, I mean he's kind of he's yeah. tiny he's tiny he's tiny like Flutie, but he's got a little bit more athleticism. But but I mean that's I think Flutie Flutie ran around a lot too though, and he I did. think and I think uh, that's not gonna be his game. You know, yeah. I think He'll escape, but and maybe hide behind those giant humans and six eight and guys that are a foot taller than him. Yep. Just hide behind them. There's nowhere to go. They can't see you. It's fine, you know. So we'll. Uh, I, I think. I think he's gonna really have to develop that sense of the pocket in the NFL and the speed ramp up of all of this before he before he gets any good. Speaking of guys that look jittery, uh, Anthony Richardson looked jittery. And he was running for his life, and mm. you know, uh, uh, you know, you look at his, his, his the numbers in the game, and you know, it, it just I, I, look. They don't have any choice, right? I mean, what else were they going to do? They knew they he was going to be their starting quarterback on draft day, but I think you know, you worry about a guy like that. Well, if he struggles as much as it looks like he might, um, you know, his athleticism is going to help him some. But if he struggles as much as he looked like he might, do you worry about a rookie quarterback like that? Like, I don't want to say getting ruined, but getting so gun shy that it's hard to recover. 
Well, I think he's probably going to end up getting the Fields treatment. You know, you think? I mean, I, okay. I think that's yeah. that's pretty much what yeah. he'll get is throw him to the fire, see what he can do, right. see what his skills are. How are we going to tailor the offense to him? Yep. You're going to see that this year from Chicago is them trying to tailor the offense to Justin Fields. I think the same is true for Indianapolis, except they're in the they're in the uh, kind of alpha stage of all this. Like they're they're this is baby steps, right. you know, planting seeds for for Anthony Richardson. I think you saw the athleticism. Yep. I wouldn't necessarily say the ton of speed. I think when he gets in the open field, yeah, he'll be fast. But I didn't see a ton of speed in his capability. I saw more of kind of like the Jalen Hurts style of running where. He can escape. He doesn't have the arm yet and to read defenses and, and kind of have that confidence because he's still super raw. But you can see the athleticism there. It's just his throwing. It's just his passing, his pocket presence, his awareness. Does he have it? Does he have the quarterback uh, gene in him to do this at the highest level? I think he does. I think he's got a ton of upside. I think he's super smart and confident. He's got the full support of the owner behind him. So right. I think he's going to get a long, long leash this year uh, just to play, to see what he can do. And if they lose, you know, I mean, they know they have their quarterback. Now you really got to start building around him. Go get some offensive linemen. Go get some weapons around him. They just don't have a ton of that either. I mean, Michael Pittman is just not enough. They're going to need more from Alec Pierce. They're going to need more from a lot of guys well, uh, to be successful in the years to come. They're going to need Jonathan Taylor to decide he wants to play football. That too. You know, I mean. Yeah. If, that, if, that's a whole – that is so ridiculous. It is. That that is going on. Yeah. I mean, that – he, he, I mean, this new agent is a total clown for for trying to go up against Jim. You know, Jim Irsay doesn't care. Right. You know, I mean, from his comments at all, you just said, you know, the NFL will go on. Like this guy, literally, what was it? Four months ago, was saying that he saw oh, I signed the contract, so you know, I want to play on my contract. Then he gets his new agent, and all no, of a sudden, oh, <laughs> uh, you know, my ankle hurts. You know, <laughs> I want to trade. Right, right. You know, the running back. Uh, we one Zoom call can do so much, isn't it? Oh, by the way, the guy who put that Zoom call together, he signed his contract. So, you know, I mean, this this is totally like farce city with what the running backs are doing right now. Yeah. Josh Jacobs, but, Jonathan Taylor, but, Saquon but, Barkley really, Saquon Barkley totally sold out from what his, from what he was communicating this whole offseason. Let me ask you about that though. Do you, do you think they have a point? Look at the end of the day. Yes. Are they underpaid? Sure. But there's too many good running backs. Like, it is the market. The market is what the market is. You right. know, I mean, if you can be a dynamic player, I think maybe Saquon would have a point considering that I think Saquon right now is one of three running backs in the league that can do what he does. It's him, Eckler, and McCaffrey. Okay. I, I don't think there's anybody really past that, that at that level that can do what he does. I think Bijan Robinson coming in, I think he'll be able to be that. I think he's got a lot of potential to do that. But for the rest of these guys, Jacobs, yeah, he catches passes. But just because you catch passes, doesn't put you in the elite category of pass catcher. You're not, you're not Austin Eckler going out there and getting 140 targets a year. You right. know, I mean, yeah, you can see kind of like you change the entire offense when you're out in the slot, when you can be put in motion to go in, into receiver. Saquon can do that. Um, now Saquon. You know, he's gonna have. He wanted his money now, uh, and I kind of agree with that. I think the Giants, the Giants probably should have tagged Jones and not him. Okay. But 
you know, at the end of the day, what he's doing, causing this whole running back revolt, I, I think it's bad for the sport. I think it's bad for some of these running backs. I think at the end of the day, it's going to end up hurting them more than helping them. Uh, one other guy I want to touch on before uh, we get out of here, uh, a guy that's going to have uh, a huge spotlight on him uh, because they're a very popular team and because he's replacing a legend, and that is Jordan Love in Green Bay. Um, you know, the one of the reasons I, I mean, I, I think this the, the divorce from Aaron Rodgers was coming for a couple of years as soon as they drafted Jordan Love and decided he was the quarterback of the future. Um, and he's got a similar, he's got the same kind of spotlight on him that Mac Jones does, right? Replacing Tom Brady. So, uh, sure. how do you think Jordan Love responds to this this year? This is one of my favorite stories of the year, and he is the player that I have watched the most of in preseason. Okay, I am so curious to see what he does this year because you can see he's got an athletic build. He's tall. Uh, he he looks like even on the run when he's moving, he has the ability to change arm angle. Call me crazy, but I think Jordan Love has the ability to get to top player at the position status. Really, I, I okay. really do. I think I think that he could get up there in that conversation uh, if all goes right with him. I know they don't have a ton of weapons, and everybody that's Everybody that's that's on that team was born in this millennium, um, so you know that's it, it, uh, at least at the receiver and tight end position. Yep. But I think that his ability to 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 put it all together in, physically, and then having sat on the bench watching Aaron Rodgers for the last few years, when he came into some games, go back to that Philadelphia game last year, he came in at the end of that game and absolutely balled out. And I think there's a possibility that we could be seeing the third rendition uh, of quarterback for uh, quarterback legend, maybe. So from Favre to, fra- to Rodgers to pattern. Love, really. Okay. I think we could be seeing it. Yeah. I, I, I would not be surprised. Okay. I, I think that the kid, from what I've seen so far, I think he's poised. I think that this year they'll probably more so rely on running game. Yep. But if he develops this year, I think he could really take something special. I, 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 I believe in what they're doing with him. Well, before I let you get out of here, uh, college football getting ready to start as well. And I just wanted to get yeah. your take briefly on what's been going on with all the realignment and, you know, with the, with the big 10 and the PAC 12 and uh, you know, there's talk about, you know, adding to the ACC. UConn was rumored to maybe be going to the big 12. Um, is 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 this? I mean, is this a good thing to to end up basically with like we're going to end up with what like three super conferences and that's everything's going to be decided there? Is that where is that where we're headed? Yeah, it, it's really what it sounds like. I, I think I think it's kind of it's kind of half good, half bad. If you if you can see it that way, the glass half full, the glass half empty. Because I think that at this point right now. College football is about the dollars, yep. right? I mean, it's all about the almighty dollar, no and, and it has been trending in that way for a long time. I think we've seen conference realignment for 10 years. I mean, this was inevitable, and this is just a continuation of what has been going on. The TV networks, so we knew the Pac-12 networks TV deal was, was up, and right. that USC and UCLA were looking to jump, and they did. And when they did that, 
what is concerning is kind of geographical tradition right. of the whole thing. Um, but you've actually got some rivalries renewed, as for example, you know, Colorado's going back to the Big Twelve. I think that would that, that's going to be cool to, to see them back in that back in that conference. I think Utah and BYU. Utah's going to the Big Twelve. They get to play BYU every year still now as a conference game. I think there are some certain certain rivalries that will be renewed. There will be some that will be shattered. I mean, USC and Cal and USC and Stanford, and you know, we'll see if those continue and. Uh, you know, I think that's where it's it's a little frustrating. It's like old years gone by. Yep. But at the end of the day, you know, the market is what the market is. Okay. And, you know, people will watch this game. People will watch this. I think more so we're headed toward a split off of the NCAA. Uh, with all the money pouring, pouring into this whole thing, I think eventually these, these conferences are going to realize we need to get out of the NCAA shadow we need to kind of run this ourselves, would it, would and, it, and we'll run a giant super league. Would it just be for football, or would they move for everything? I think they would move for football. I okay. think I think football really really needs to take off and, and get away from from the NCAA and have their independence. You know, it's too big of a sport, it, it, and it also it takes away so many scholarships from from other uh, sports in, in men's. And it'll add it'll add the ability to kind of give more spotlight to to some of the women's sports as well. I really I really think that I think if that breaks away, I think the NCAA can more focus on some of the lower level men's sports, and then I think they can really hone in and focus on their top level women's sports. I think I think it would be good for for a lot of people, and I know that's controversial to say, um, but I, I think that's that where from where I'm standing. That's what I would do if I was some of these commissioners of these leagues and say, look, we've got a good thing going here. We can make this work, and there's too much money pouring in. Let's just have these guys be independent contractors and let them go make their money. What uh, You mentioned Colorado. Can Deion Sanders' style work in Colorado? Can that work in, <laughs> can that work in the mainstream of college football? I think, it can, I, I, think, I think it can work in the sense that they can get to – conference title games and, and do those things. Can it win national championships? Right. That's Dion's goal. And you know, that that's getting into a different spot. It certainly brings in the money and it <laughs> certainly brings in the, the high quality talent, doesn't it? Nope. Yeah. I mean, there's does, a yeah. lot of talent that has come to Colorado and a ton of money. And when we get to see them against TCU in week one on national TV, I mean, that's what you paid for. Didn't they have, I think last year they had something like 3,000 people showed up to their spring game. Yep. And this year they had somewhere in the realm of like 60,000. Yeah, something like that. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, it should. Uh, it There's should, a lot of hype with that guy. Yeah, no question. Should be interesting. Well, we're back at it. We will have you on next week. And uh, as pre- the preseason is starting to wrap up, next week we're going to do, uh, we'll talk about go around the league again, but we're also, get ready, we're going to do our predictions next week. So, uh, so get ready, oh, yeah. get ready to have, uh, get ready to have those next week. I, I will be ready for them. I, we're going to do our extravaganza show as well next week on the Sunday card, okay. and then we're going to do our prediction show. So, I, I guess you'll hear sneak peek of that. Uh, next week for I, our show, I, so I'm going to get ready and go through the entire schedule. Well, we'll <laughs> we'll have it we'll have it here on Sports Country Radio as well. But I'm going to make a point, probably not listen to it because I don't want to spoil anything. Because I might I might <laughs> ask you different questions if I listen to what you said and try to trip you up, and we wouldn't want that. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, I know you're always a little sneaking around, man. And I just want to say also, thank you for coming to my wedding. It was a great time. It was so good to see you. I know I've seen you, seen you maybe one time other than that since I went to Virginia, and it was awesome. So I it's was, good to be back. Yeah, sports I, country is better than ever. I was honored. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you my favorite part of the entire weekend, and don't take this personally, <laughs> meeting your father. <laughs> I yeah oh, that, no that, I get what you mean. <laughs> he is he is a ticket. I'll tell you what I could have talked to him all night. He was a lot of fun. So uh, but but uh, God bless Doctor Z. Yeah. He's the man. But Barb and I were honored. So thank you very much, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week, my friend. Awesome, Gene. Take care. It's been the best. I can't wait for what's going to happen this this NFL season. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. And that is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I hope you all have a great weekend. Uh, I hope you uh, stay cool. I'm not sure that I will here, but I hope you're able to wherever you are. We're going to leave you this morning with some music from Thomas Rhett. What's your country song? See you on Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.